What's going on, everybody? Can't tell you how much of a relief it is to finally be here um, in a couple different ways. So, first way, um, full disclosure, I'm coming off of a, about a six-hour homework bender. Um, I got a little bit of an itch in me to kind of get everything rolling and take care of what I can take care of right now. And a lot of my professors actually opened up the rest of the semester, all the assignments. So I've been doing um, behavioral analysis, like behavioral science, uh, behavioral science statistics for about seven hours. So I, I'm more than happy to be done with that. And I'll be doing this episode of Center of Attention. It's going to be another sports only episode. And now... For the first time, I'm going to say on air, welcome to Center of Attention from the WAP Cave. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, you know that, that the handle there is proud underscore WAP. Um, and it's basically, it, WAP was a slang for Italians back in the early 19th century when they first started coming over to the U.S. It uh, stands for Without Papers, and all these shows from here on out are going to be recorded from the WAP cave. Um, with that, not only is it a big week for that, I'm trying to, I think if I hit all of the deadlines that I set for myself, I should technically air quotes, be graduated and done with all my schoolwork by Wednesday, which will be awesome. Be a big weight off my shoulders. And then I'll be able to, uh, kind of reminisce, get everything ready to go when I get packed up and get all my, uh, RA responsibilities out of the way. Then also, this is going to be the first week where we actually have a live sporting event that we're going to be able to cover. Um, the NFL draft is Thursday, and that's what a lot of today's show is going to be about. I think, I mean, I know that the, the NFL is the only one still technically holding um, league operations. The, the draft kind of counts as a league operation. It's going to be over Zoom, so it'll be interesting to see how all it will tie together. But uh, just a little rundown of what we'll be talking about today for the sports episode. The, we're going to talk about the NBA and how they've tried to navigate um, the landscape of the country currently. Uh, I found an article that talks about all the different things that they've tried to make sure to give fans content during this lockdown quarantine with uh, coronavirus, talk a little bit about Von Miller and Brian Allen. Um, they were the first two NFL players to test positively for COVID-19. Um, I'll give my initial thoughts on the draft. I'm going to go through the top five um, players at each position, um, just in the way that they're ranked, I'm pretty sure. And that's from CBS Sports. So it's going to be CBS Sports um, rankings by position. And then to wrap this one up, we're going to do a live mock draft that uh, I'm going to do on FanSpeak. I'm going to uh, go through the entire first round of the mock draft on FanSpeak. Um, and then I think that'll be it. We'll round out the show with a Mount Rushmore of skilled positions in sports. I'm probably going to make a lot of people upset with that, but that'll be the ending of today's episode. And then... Um, We'll have a regular episode that comes out Thursday. Kyle's going to be back on from the WAP 
the WAP cave. And, um, and I'm also, I've wanted to do this for the past few years now on the radio and do like a live, uh, broadcast during the, uh, NFL draft and haven't been able to do that. We haven't been able to broadcast while the draft was going on. Um, I think what I'm going to do is I will put together an episode of all of my live reactions from the picks of the first round and um, then do kind of like a general recap at the end. That'll be a bonus episode, um, basically like a live draft episode. Uh, and then we'll be back next mon- next Monday with another all sports episode. So that's everything. That's kind of all the um, housekeeping notes that needed to be taken care of before we started this episode of Center of Attention Sports. So let's get into the ways that the NBA have been trying to bring fans content um, during the coronavirus pandemic. Um, So what they have done already, they, I think it was a couple, this is, this article was published today. Um, NBA TV producers face the ultimate challenge in pivoting from using advanced technology and 60 cameras for one live game to smartphone footage shot by family members and spotty Wi-Fi to capture a horse competition. So they actually tried to get together, tried to reach out to players that would do it and um, have them record themselves doing like a horse competition and then they were going to try and um, meet that but it represented a challenge they were willing to meet to satisfy fans' desires for live competition during the coronavirus pandemic as forced people all over the world to stay inside. Let's see if I can try and find the horse competitors. Uh... I don't think I can. They don't have the actual competitors listed here in the horse tournament. Um, I'm not sure how well that did. I know that there were a lot of people talking about early on, after the uh, pandemic was officially announced and the season was suspended on March 11th. A couple weeks after that, they had a NBA 2K Players Tournament. Um, oh, they do have the winner of the horse competition. So Devin Booker. Um, there was a few memes going around on social media um he was playing michael porter jr mpj the star future star hopefully of the nuggets here in denver and the audio was uh mpj trying to convince devin booker to play as their respective teams in 2k um knowing how bad the devin booker plays on the uh phoenix suns so knowing how bad the suns are that was kind of a i think it was kind of a low blow shot honestly that mpj did but it was pretty funny and it gave a lot of people something to laugh about um and the winner of that so devin booker ended up winning the 2k tournament and he got a hundred thousand dollar cash prize to donate to a charity focused on coronavirus relief and then mike conley jr i'm probably showing my ignorance as um not the biggest fan of basketball uh, but I, I'm not entirely sure who he, who he is or where he played. 
plays. He plays on the Utah Jazz. Um, he's a 6'1", 180-pound point guard. And he won the horse competition, and he got a $200,000 prize to donate to the charities. I think this is probably... Um, there's a lot of pe- different people had different opinions on how this the scope of this basically um and i know a lot of people that were still disappointed uh i listened to pardon my take from barstool uh, under the barstool banner and uh big cat one of their hosts of that podcast was kind of talking about how silly a lot of this was but i think barring bringing games back i think the fans probably really appreciated this and it kind of goes to show um I think basketball basketball definitely has the number one commissioner out of any of the major sports. Um, David Silver really tries to incorporate what the fans want to see, tries to find different ways to make things more more or less um, interesting to watch. He, I think he, he, I don't know if he has implemented one of the fan rules, but he does ask the fans a lot about what they would like to see changed in the game and what the NBA can do better. So they have the best commissioner, um, and they have probably, it's not the biggest fan base, but outside of the NFL, I think that the NBA is probably number two in major sports in um, the U.S. So I think that this is probably, uh, I know it was a really good PR move because it showed that even though um, they're not able to put on games. The NBA is still trying to find ways to entertain their fans and make sure that they come back. I think that was huge um, for – I think that was that's going to be huge when the sports are able to come back. Um, just like a, an example of the opposite of basketball is probably baseball. Um, they are very old school. Um, don't try and put on a whole bunch. They don't give content directly to the fans. They give content directly to the paying fans. Um, all of the footage from the MLB, anything that they do that's under the MLB banner, is automatically pushed to their own platform. Um, I'm not entirely sure what it's called because I don't subscribe to it. I The most in-depth I got... I mean, obviously, I'm a baseball fan. I played baseball for a, a good portion of my life. But the closest I got to wanting that much content from the MLB was the MLB Network. And that was basically as good as I as, as I needed it. But baseball is actually kind of in a very weird situation now because they are having to um, make sure that the generations of fans that have come before these upcoming generations try and instill the love of baseball into their own kids because at this point baseball is not making an effort to gain new fans that you're not going to be a 22 year old person in the, in the u.s who's never watched a game of baseball you're not going to become a huge fan um just based off of off of all the stuff that they've been putting out it's too difficult to try and find stuff nobody really wants to work that hard especially if you're not sure what the sport is is all about and that's where a lot of the other leagues around the world but especially the nba i think picks up the bar and they're the gold standard because they are immediately putting anything that happened in an nba sanctioned event out onto social media getting in getting it in front of as many eyeballs as possible Um, and i do think that it's easier for me to try and learn 
basketball and who the stars are today and how the game has changed than it would be for me to try and figure out uh, the same things for baseball. So I think that the NBA has been the gold standard. I, I couldn't applaud David Silver anymore for what they have been trying to accomplish um, over the past month and a half that we've kind of been under a national panic. Staying with basketball, uh, I know tonight when I'm recording this uh, on April 19th is the premiere of the Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance, that aired on ESPN. Uh, I'm definitely going to get into this one. I'm trying to get as many of my tasks done so that I can kind of focus on content for the show and... Um, figuring out where all this is going. It's called The Last Dance. It is a mini-series. I'm not sure how many. It's going to be a 10-episode um, season of, of the documentary, so a 10-part mini-series on Michael Jordan, who I think is probably still the greatest player to ever play in the NBA. And this is going to be one of the more in-depth um, pieces of material that the NBA has put out in a long time, and I'm super excited to watch this. I'm probably not going to be able to watch it live, or I'm probably not going to watch it live just because I don't want to. I'll wait until, because it's airing originally on ESPN, and then at some point the miniseries will be put onto Netflix, and I'm just going to binge um, through the the whole thing about that but espn if there's one thing espn does really well i really enjoy their highlight shows and i really enjoy their documentaries that they make the 30 for 30s of all the 30 for 30s that i have watched and actually cared about the event that they were covering in the documentary they've been some of the best uh pieces of content that i've ever seen i don't really have a comparison just espn does um documentaries and miniseries right and that goes back to the oj one too they had they won an oscar for the oj documentary that they made a while back and 30 for 30 i think it was originally supposed to just be 30 different um documentaries made by 30 different filmmakers and now that started in 2009 so now we're going on 10 possibly 11 years of the 30 for 30 documentaries and i don't see them going away anytime soon uh, i can't wait for the next kind of batch of those to start coming out so hats off to espn and if you have the chance you have the opportunity i would definitely check out the last dance uh the michael jordan documentary uh i don't think there's going to be a better explanation of one of the greatest athletic careers that a lot of us, I mean, I didn't get to see it personally, but it's one of the greatest athletic careers that a lot of people will ever be able to witness or have witnessed, and it's going to be one of the most mentally tough, competitive individuals, and I, I'd love to get a little bit more inside the mind of a guy like Michael Jordan. So I'm excited to start getting into the last dance. Um, we'll see how they work it. I'm not sure if they're going to put out each episode after they air on Netflix or they're going to wait for the entire 10 episodes to play before they put it back on Netflix. Either way, I'll let you guys know when I get into it and I'll knowing me since I like to be the center of attention, 
Uh, I'll probably talk to you guys about how I felt about it, the good things, the bad things, the stuff that I learned, the stuff that I already knew but got a different side of. Um, so that'll be interesting. So the NBA, amidst all of the panic and the uh, everything else that's been going on, the NBA, I think, is in the best position to move on of any of the sports that had to postpone their leagues. NHL is probably close. There's just not as much coverage of the NHL and what they've been doing during the pandemic in the U.S. as there probably is in Canada. Um, and since basketball is the biggest American, like, United States sport that was postponed, it, it makes sense why there is a ton of information about what they're doing moving forward and not as much about hockey Um and since baseball didn't start, there really hasn't been anything too much about baseball. Transitioning now into the NFL, I think, I mean, I know the first two confirmed cases of the coronavirus. I'm not quite sure how many more there will pop up because it's different since football wasn't necessarily doing team activities yet. The OTAs were going to start after the draft, and they were going to have their rookie minicamp and everything. It's not as certain that there's going to be a ton more outbreaks of the coronavirus in the NFL amongst the players. Um, but probably, I know, man, the highest profile NFL player and the first NFL player tested positive for COVID 19, um, Brian Allen, who's the center for the Rams, played a lot for the uh, Falcons, too. Um, before he, he went over to L.A., was the first one. He is actually already – he was po- tested positive a while ago and has already gotten through um, the illness and is better and now on the mend. Uh, Von Miller just recently was diagnosed, and since he technically has an underlying health issue with asthma, uh, it'll be interesting to see how the rest of this goes. I think it's a great thing. Say what you want about athletes and how out of touch they are and how they don't deserve the kinds of money and the kinds of contracts that have been given out to the professional athletes and how much that has grown over the past century. All of the players, and Vaughn is no exception, that have been dealing with the coronavirus have been very responsible about saying that they need, this needs to be taken seriously and been really pushing towards getting the word out there um, as to the symptoms that you should be looking forward to see if you should go get tested. And then when you do get tested, how you're going to handle it um, and seeing how these different people are able to respond to it. That's the biggest problem with this whole thing right now is it's uh, the, the disease. Obviously, we don't have as much data on it as we probably should, as we'll probably need to be able to figure out a long-term solution. Um But since not many people, especially high-profile people, have dealt with this, it'll be interesting to see how this is going to be um, how this is going to be handled moving forward. Miller, the Pro Bowl linebacker, said he had been taking the spread of the virus very seriously and remained at his home in Denver for about four weeks. He probably left the house four times to get food. 
uh, never leaving his car. Miller said in a Friday interview with NBC's, NBC's Today Show, I was shocked. It all started with just a simple cough, and it got worse. I also have asthma, he added. My girlfriend, she was telling me that I wasn't sounding normal and I should try my nebulizer, so I did. I had waited another day. The cough still didn't go away. Um, and then Miller, he got tested two days later. Um, this is going to be a big test... I think of the NFL PR, I think of Von Miller's PR, like his image in the grand scheme of the country. Um, And I think this could possibly start a precedent for other athletes, if there are more football players, to test positive before they are able to figure out everything that's going on and we're able to get out of this lockdown. He's going to probably set the precedent of how this is going to be taken care of moving forward. Um, I don't think that this affects the timeline of the NFL as to whether or not they're going to be able to start on time or have football at all. This is just um, this is just an, another uh, this is just another example of the the fact that this virus doesn't discriminate who it it takes. Uh, not takes, who it infects, and there's really no two people that have had similar, I mean, obviously there's two people that have had similar symptoms um, that have come from the result of being infected with the virus, but honestly, it it treats everybody so differently that you, you don't never, you never really know what is going to happen and how the body, bodies of these athletes are able to um, handle this. Brian Allen, the the reason why this came out in succession, even though Brian Allen has been um, well past the the point of being over the virus, um, is because it wasn't released until the same week. Uh, Jay Glazer broke that news. I think if it's not last week, it was the week before. And then obviously Sean Payton uh, was one of the first people involved in the NFL that was uh, diagnosed with coronavirus, he actually tweeted out a picture of himself and his dog today. Um, says, appreciate the well wishes. I'm feeling better and fortunate to not have any of the respiratory symptoms. Four more days at home, hashtag beat COVID. So that's good to hear um, that they were able to catch it quick enough and Sean Payton did the what was needed of him to be able to get through this um, and he hasn't had any further complications from that. There's still no, the NFL facilities are still completely locked down and uh, the league has indefinitely delayed the start of teams' off-season programs and uh, in a memo last week, the league sent guidance for all 32 NFL teams preparing for the NFL draft, originally scheduled to take place in Las Vegas. Clubs have been advised to prepare to conduct the 2020 draft entirely outside of their facilities in a fully virtual format with club personnel in separate locations and able to communicate with one another in draft headquarters by phone or the internet. It's, uh, it, it, I'm glad that um, Brian Allen and, and Sean Payton were both on the men. I'm interested to see what all happens with Vaughn. 
Um, like I said, he does have that underlying condition with asthma, so I think the uh, likelihood of him getting one of the other like respiratory issues that has been coming with, with this virus are a little bit higher, but I, I feel like if they figure out a way to make it so that he... It, it might be a very bad... like a terrible sickness to experience, but if they're able to get him through that, not have any of the extra symptoms for the respiratory system, and they're able to figure out some some sort of a protocol that they can start putting out to the other players and then the public as a whole, I think this is a good step to possibly being able to find our first somewhat effective strategy against the virus. Right now, the only one that we have is to stay inside, but that's not going to be something that can be a prolonged period of time. I think we're probably going to push it up right up to the max of the amount of time that we we would be able to, hopefully. Uh, but being able to work through this because they're not going to be able to eradicate this completely. This is going to continue to happen year after year. They just need to get the right information about the virus so that they can move forward and hope. And, and I hope we will never have to go through anything like this again, whether it's the, the lockdown or the pandemic. Um, hopefully this is the last one for a very long time. So hopefully, and, and I hope Vaughn Miller speedy recovery for him. Um, well wishes to Sean Payton. Hopefully he makes it through this in, in his final four days and then doesn't have any further complications. And uh, I hope nobody else in the NFL gets it. It's not likely to say that nobody else and the NFL will get it, but at least there's some sort of silver lining with the fact that one of the players was able to get through it, Sean Payton, who is more uh, at more of an advanced age than his players, was able to contract it, fight through it, and then be as good as he can. And I think that this is actually, even though more players in a different league started to test positive for it, I actually think that this is a good thing overall and hopefully in the grand scheme of things we will be able to figure out a way to get through this staying in the nfl but then transitioning to our very first live sporting event ish type thing that will be taking place this week thursday is going to be round one of the nfl draft and this is an exciting time for me every single year. I know that there's a ton of people who look forward to just the draft and then and aren't even that big of a fan of of the actual game. But we're going to start seeing the NFL talent of the future over the next week or so. Uh, the first round takes place Thursday night. I think that it's going to be starting at... Um, I think it starts at about 6, and round 1 on April 23rd will be on ESPN, NFL Network, all, everything like that. Rounds 2 and 3 on April 24th, so that Friday, and then rounds 4 through 7 on Saturday, April 25th. Um, it'll be broadcasted on ABC, ESPN, the ESPN app, and NFL Network. And now I am, we're going to go through quickly just the order of the first round and then I'm going to go through each draft prospect and give my thoughts on the top five at each position and then we'll go through our live mock draft so for the first round 
Bengals finished last season at two and fourteen. They will be pick number one. Overall, they were ranked as the 31st worst team in the league after last season. Uh, they were 30th in offensive efficiency, 25th in defensive efficiency, and 16th in special teams efficiency. A lot of room to improve. Everybody's trying to guess who they're going to take number one or if they're going to keep the number one overall pick. There had been some rumors uh, earlier on in this process before any of the virus stuff or uh, even the combine had taken place that they were going to try and trade the first pick away. I said if they traded the first pick, then my NFL fandom would officially be open for transfer portal. They haven't had to do that, so I'm still a diehard Bengals fan, uh, as miserable as it has been over the course of my lifetime. I can't even remember how long it's been since I became a fan of the NFL. Probably 17 or fan of the Bengals. Probably 17 years. Moving on to number two. The Redskins finished 3-13, and have the number two overall pick. They were 32nd in offensive efficiency, 27th in defensive efficiency, 4th in special teams efficiency, and they were ranked overall as the 32nd worst team. That, I think, is a little bit of a misnomer. They've been dealing with tons of, of injuries, and not just injuries, but catastrophic injuries to really key guys that they thought were going to be able to contribute for the team for a while. Um I can guarantee you that the ownership and, and the general manager of the Redskins didn't expect for Alex Smith in his first season as uh, the Redskins quarterback to go down with a broken leg to the point where when he got a he got an infection after the surgery to try and reset the leg and then nearly lost his leg to amputation because of the infection. So I don't think that they're necessarily the worst team in the league I, I honestly think that they're probably more talented than the Bengals and if they would have played each other last year it, it would have been a bad game but I'm not sure who would have come out on top uh, but just with the recent circumstances it makes sense that they're the 32nd overall team and that they're picking in the top five of this year's draft hopefully they can pick somebody who will start moving forward and, and keeping the team going in a good direction but honestly, I, I'm not even positive what I think that they're going to do. Number three, third pick in this year's draft, the Lions finished 3-12-1. They were 19th in offensive efficiency, 29th in defensive efficiency. That's surprising to me because Matt Patricia uh, was the defensive coordinator for the Patriots for all those years and studied under Bill Belichick. Uh, their special teams efficiency is first in the league. That doesn't surprise me. Uh, I know that Belichick stresses the importance of special teams and if you're going to be a smart coach especially in a in the nfl you should stress the importance of special teams i mean a former special teams coach has won a super bowl in the past decade that would be 2012 and jim harbaugh on the rams he was or ravens excuse me he was the uh he started off as a special teams coach and then slowly worked his way up the coaching staff tree um, the Lions are a little bit of a disappointment, but if you looked at the way that their season was projected to go before Stafford had to sit out for the rest of the season with his back issues, uh, they they just kind of fell off the face of the earth there. But I do think that they have a good enough core that they can be somewhat competitive, maybe push for a wild card spot in the upcoming years, but it's going to take more than just this draft and um, this free agency time period for them to be able to get back to uh, being a, a competitor in the NFC North. 
Fourth pick overall, the New York Giants, 4-12 last season. Finished 25th in offensive efficiency, 28th in defensive efficiency, 17th in special teams, and overall they were ranked 29th. So they were four spots behind the Lions, um, even though they ended up winning one more game instead of the tie. Really, the, the Giants were surprising to me last year because when they picked Daniel Jones for their first round, first pick in the first round of last year's draft, I thought it was going to be the biggest mistake that Gettleman has, has made as his time as a GM. But I guess there's a reason why I'm not a high-ranking executive in the NFL. Somebody saw something and was convinced and took a chance on him. And I think Daniel Jones is going to be the starting quarterback for the Giants for at least the next four years. I wouldn't say that he did anything last year to uh, warrant a prediction that he's going to be the guy for the next 10 to 15. But seeing how he develops after last season... Uh, getting some more weapons offensively, trying to rebuild that defense. 28th defensive efficiency. It's a far cry from any of the Giants teams that have won the Super Bowl ever, actually. The Giants were never an offensive juggernaut that won the Super Bowl. But, I mean, if you go back to uh, the 2007 season when they beat the Patriots, they upset their undefeated season, they had four all-pro Defensive lineman rushing the passer, and their defense as a whole was just a nightmare. So I think this, honestly, I think this year in the draft they should probably, be, probably be looking to bolster their defense. Sitting at number four, they might be able to pick up an Isaiah Simmons, which would be huge for the Giants. Uh, but we'll see what happens, and then we'll also have the mock draft at the end of the episode. Fifth pick in this year's draft, Miami Dolphins, five and eleven. Fitzmagic ended up catching fire towards the end of the season and won them their five games. Their offensive efficiency last year was 24th. Their defensive efficiency was 30th. Special teams was 22nd, and their overall ranking was 30th. But they did have a a promising season. I think that Brian Flores has a promising future as a head coach. Just I'm not quite sure what they need to do to get over the hump, but Brady not being in their division any division anymore is going to be a big help and uh, we'll see what happens with them moving forward they have the fifth pick overall the los angeles chargers sitting at five and eleven now without their longtime starting quarterback philip rivers last season their offensive efficiency was 16th defensive was 23rd special teams were 21st and overall they were 20 out of 32 teams um just i feel like last season they were it was a bad season for rivers and when your quarterback has that bad of a season it's not going to bode well for the rest of your team and now they lost Melvin Gordon. So uh, I know they re-signed Eckler to a pretty big deal. That's going to be big for them. But they have a lot more problems that they need to figure out. I can on I can think I could see them possibly moving up, or if uh, Tua falls to them at six, maybe they'll take Tua. I could see them drafting a guy like Justin Herbert. That's actually one of the bigger spots that I could see him landing. One of the teams that I think would actually benefit from a young quarterback and we'll see how they're able to bounce back after a little bit of a disappointing last season i still think they're top three 
in their division in the AFC West, but that's only because the uh, I don't think that the Broncos or the Raiders are that much better than them. So I think that they're top three. Uh, we'll see what happens with them moving forward. Number seven pick, the first round, Carolina, five and eleven last season, fired their head coach Ron Rivera. So Mike McCarthy, maybe. Who's going to be the – I can't remember who's going to be the head coach of the Carolina Panthers for next season. Matt Rule. And I, I can't believe I forgot about that, but Matt Rule coming off of a huge season at Baylor where there's a possibility they would have made the college football playoff, um, ended up losing two games to Oklahoma, one late in the season – that made it so that their conference championship would have been a must-win to get into the playoff. Ended up losing that to Oklahoma as well, um, and then lost their bowl game against Georgia. I think Matt Rule was a really good coach, and the the way that he's been operating so far as a head coach, everywhere that he's gone, he's gone to a struggling foundation, and he's able to kind of build upon that and make them better. And it's been relatively quickly. Uh, he turned Temple around in, I think, two seasons. Turned Baylor around in about two seasons. Um, not having Cam Newton, I think, is going to hurt him. But he has a perfect gadget player for the type of offense that he liked to run in college in Christian McCaffrey. So we'll see what happens with them there. And uh, I'm interested to see who's going to be taking over the starting quarterback role for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, they were 28th in offensive efficiency, 20th in defensive efficiency, 23rd in special teams, and overall they were 27th out of 32. Eighth pick, the Arizona Cardinals. Who finished last season at 5-10-1. Um, I talked about my two biggest surprises. The first one was the Giants and Daniel Jones, but I think the second one was the Cardinals and uh, Kyler Murray. When Kyler Murray was originally selected first overall, I didn't I didn't think that he was going to be selected first overall. And I honestly thought that he made a big mistake not going to baseball where they have guaranteed contracts, and I thought his size and skill set fit a little bit better. I didn't think that he was going to be able to play quarterback in the NFL for 16 games and hold up with the amount of running that he does. Um, but then taking a little bit closer of a look at the way he plays quarterback, uh, I can't remember the name of the comparison that I had. But honestly, he's not a run-first quarterback. He kind of, He uses his legs to extend the play very well. And if they build up a little bit more potency on their offensive weapons, they definitely need to do something with the defense. Um, Chandler Jones can't be your only defensive player out there. and you, Chandler Jones and Patrick Peterson can't be the only two people you expect to put out there on defense and just feel like you're going to be okay. They need to get solidify more of that defensive line um, and, and get maybe a little bit better at the linebacker position, and, and then we'll see what they can do. But they have the eighth overall pick. Jacksonville at six and ten has the ninth overall pick. Offensive and defensively last season, they were twenty-sixth in efficiency, sixth in special teams efficiency, and overall they were twenty-eighth. Uh, Doug Marone is one of my favorite head coaches in the NFL. And 
now that they've gotten rid of Foles and decided that they're going to go all in on this Gardner Minshew train, now that they know who their starting quarterback is going to be and in the way that he likes to play, they can start giving him some of the weapons that he's going to want to play with that will accentuate the way that he runs the quarterback position. Um, their defense will be interesting this year. They have Calais Campbell, they have Miles Jack, they have Yannick Ngakwe, but they lost their two biggest, their two best defensive backs last se- from last season. AJ Bouye, who is a former All Pro corner back when the Jaguars went to the AFC Championship, and then also Jalen Ramsey in that trade to uh... oh crap, where did Jalen Ramsey get traded to? Wow. Get traded. This is where it comes in handy that if I had a producer that's only job was there to look stuff up on the computer, I wouldn't have to do this all on my own. Ah, the Rams. Yes. So they lost um, Ramsey to the Rams in that trade. And uh, Bouye now in the offseason is gone. I can see them picking defensively in the first round. Um but we'll see. I, I like Doug Marone, so I hope that he can turn things around. Tenth overall pick, the Cleveland Browns, also at six and ten. Uh, they were twenty second in offensive and defensive efficiency, ninth in special teams, and overall they were twenty third. Uh, wow, Freddie, Freddie Kitchens can make you eat your words in a hurry. Um, I thought last year, with the way that the Browns' season ended and the ways that he put Baker in a in a position to succeed, I thought he was just going to continue to do that. But no, apparently when Freddie was going to get his head coaching job, he was going to turn in, try and turn into Sean McVay and go three wides with an offensive line that's not good enough to hold up. Um, kind of abandon a running game where he has one of the top young running backs in the league in Nick Chubb. He also ended up getting Kareem Hunt, and uh, I think they had Carlos Hyde last year too. So those are three really good running backs. And you have an offensive line that's not built necessarily to win one-on-one pass-blocking situations, but they're built to road-grade people. And then you can have a lot of play action over the top with Baker. Uh, I was really disappointed in the in the way that their season went last year. Now this year, we'll see how they hand. There's not going to be as many... Um, as much media buzz going on about the Browns as there was last year. Kevin Stefanski, who was the uh, former offensive coordinator for the Vikings, and he he got those teams into the playoffs and had really good seasons the last couple years. Um, If he doesn't try and change the success that he's been able to put offensively for the Vikings if he try if he just comes in adapts his game plan to the playing style of Baker Mayfield I the Browns could be a very scary team that is a big what if though and I'm not going to make any hard predictions with the Browns after how embarrassing uh they made me look last year with my wanting to be an NFL analyst and then I picked the Browns to win the NFC North or at least be in the top two and and they were not the only team that they were better than in their division was the Bengals. So uh, interested to see what they do in their first round. They have the 10th overall pick. The Giant, the Jets, excuse me, the other New York team, have the 11th overall pick. They finished last season 7-9, had an offensive efficiency of 29th. 
that alone explains why they they had such a bad season last year. Uh, their defensive efficiency was 15th, uh, and their special teams efficiency was 15th. So overall, they were 24th. Um, their defense, I think, is actually in a solid place. They have Quinn and Williams, last year's first-round pick. They can start to build a little bit more around him. They have C.J. Mosley, the linebacker, uh, perennial all-pro that originally started with the Ravens but then went over to the Jets last year in free agency. They have Le'Veon Bell if he decides that he wants to play football again. Uh, they just need some more outside help. So in the draft class where everybody was talking about how deep the receivers are, uh, this should be it's exactly what the Jets needed. So they, they need to get some more explosive offensive weapons and maybe solidify some of their weaker points on their defense. But uh, they're in a, a fairly nice place moving forward in the draft. They're also going to be- benefit from Brady not being in the AFC East anymore. So that division is kind of all up in the air. 12th overall pick in the first round this year, the Las Vegas Raiders. They were actually supposed to be the host they were going to be the host of this year's draft. That's obviously not going to happen with the uh, coronavirus pandemic. But in Gruden's second season, they improved in their wins and losses. Their offensive efficiency was sixth. Uh, their defensive efficiency was 32nd. So you can see where they need to um, spend their draft capital. I'm not going to say that Gruden can't do it because Gruden has put together a Super Bowl contender before when he was with the Raiders originally before he got traded to Tampa Bay. That was his team that he ended up beating in the Super Bowl. So he can do it. Um, But I I think that the Raiders are now in a tough situation. Uh, The AFC West and the AFC East have kind of swapped Rolls a little bit. Now the AFC West has a quarterback who's going to be probably the best player in the league for the next however long he decides to play. And uh, the AFC West is going to be difficult to try and win the division spot. So a lot of these really good teams in the AFC West, depending on how the Raiders, the Chargers, and the Broncos drafts go, um, I don't quite see that either of those three teams having a chance to knock off Kansas City and win the division. Um but I think the Raiders are in a spot where they could possibly move up, especially with the uh, new playoff format where there's an extra wild card team every year. I can see them possibly being that extra wild card team. 13th overall, the 49ers. They got their pick from Indianapolis. Super Bowl runner up. Uh, had a, a storybook season. Towards the until the last game, until the last 10 minutes of the season, actually, uh, they were up by 11 going into the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, and, and then everything kind of fell apart. Um, they had Garoppolo last year at quarterback, and they were able to make it work with three undrafted uh, running backs that were, were just playing with their hair on fire. I am uh, the more I look at the 49ers and I thought that they were originally set up in the best position to be able to go back to a Super Bowl uh, out of the Chiefs and, and the 49ers now seeing the other teams in that division where if you notice I haven't said I've only said one other NFC West team so far so none of the the only NFC West team that's picking in the top 15 besides the 49ers are the Cardinals. That's a, a tough, tough 
division, and it's going to be interesting to see if they're able to put themselves back in a position that they can go and uh, compete for another Super Bowl. Their defense is set. They don't need any more help with their defense. Quan Alexander's got the linebackers going, and they got that really good young young linebacker that I can't remember the name, but he made the game-winning tackle um, against the Seahawks in their second matchup this year, and he's really good. Uh, McGlinchey on the right side of their offensive line, I think he's going to lock down that position for a while. They're running out of time time a little bit, I think, with Joe Staley just because he's been playing for so long. And uh, the left tackle position, if you lose any of your athleticism, it's going to be difficult to still try and compete. Um, what really surprised me was how little faith Shanahan showed in Garoppolo, even though Garoppolo has been in that situation before. I mean, I guess he wasn't the starting quarterback in the Super Bowl, but he's seen that three or four times. I think he has three or four Super Bowl rings. Um, That's got to be ironed out. Shanahan has to trust his quarterback, and if not, that offense just won't work. So that's going to be the main thing for them. They were eighth in offensive efficiency, third in defensive, 20th in special teams, and overall they were third. So they were the third best team overall efficiency wise from last season 14th pick tampa bay they were seven and nine uh offensive efficiency was 20th that's what happens when you have a quarterback who throws 30 interceptions um defensive efficiency was eighth and then their special teams was 31st overall they were 15th which is scary to think about because now they have bruce arians one of the best offensive minds uh in the history of coaching in the nfl tom brady who is no argument anymore. The greatest quarterback of all time, uh, just records-wise and the way that he's been able to win for as long as he has. Uh, I think he played in – I mean, I, I know he played he, – he's won six Super Bowls. I think he played in the last – I know he played in at least the last four. And then you add him into an offense with O.J. Howard. Um Mike Williams, they have a lot of young players that Jameis Winston wasn't taking advantage of, but a guy like Brady's going to be able to take advantage of. So the NFC South got super interesting really quick. 15th overall pick, the Broncos, also finished at 7-9. and They were 23rd in offensive efficiency, 16th in defensive, 5th in special teams, and 18th Excuse me. overall. This is my, my hometown team. Uh, the sports stations that I listen to focus mainly on the Broncos, so I, I actually have a lot uh, of talking points on them. I, I might save them until the actual draft episode, but the offensive efficiency will get better because they're not, hopefully, just knocked on wood for you Broncos fans out there. I know most of my family, if they're listening, they're huge Broncos fans. Um, hopefully... The offensive efficiency goes up with the fact that they know who their starting quarterback is going to be for as long as he stays healthy. Drew Locke is going to be the guy until he either gets injured or um, gets traded away, something like that. Elway decides that the wind changed direction that was blowing and he wants a different quarterback. That That's going to be – I think that their offense will get better. Their defense, they added A.J. Bouye. Lost Chris Harris Jr. I think they still come out on the losing end of that because Chris Harris Jr. I would I would say Chris Harris Jr. is a much better cornerback than AJ Bouye. I know Bouye had that All Pro season, but he hasn't been as consistent 
as CHJ. So that's tough that the Broncos lost him. I'm not quite sure where they're going to go in the first round. They have so many needs that if they take the best player available, it'll probably be a good enough fit. We'll see. Uh, the mock draft will be interesting with the Broncos, too. Uh, the 16th pick, Atlanta, 7-9. Offensive efficiency, 12th. Defensive, 24th. Special teams, 29th. And overall, they were the 21st ranked efficiency team in the league. Which really didn't make any sense. They they had enough talent on both sides of the ball last year to really be competitive and push the Saints for the NFC South crown. Who knows what happens. Um they really haven't looked right since their Super Bowl season, since the second half of that Super Bowl, really. Um, I know if you're an Atlanta fan, you hate me saying this, but 28-3 to I think still lingers heavy in the minds of both the players and the fans and the front office of the Atlanta Falcons. Um, so they're going to need to shake that, that monkey off their back before I th- they start moving forward. But now with their all first-round picks on offense, they're probably going to be scoring a lot of points. But the fact that they had 24th in defensive efficiency last season and didn't really make a huge move in free agency for the defensive side of the ball gives me pause a little bit. 17th overall pick, the Cowboys finished 8-8. They were 3rd in offensive efficiency, 18th in defensive efficiency, 30th in special teams efficiency, and overall they were 8th. I think this is the most exciting year surrounding the Dallas Cowboys since Jason Garrett was originally hired. Mike McCarthy um, lost his job in Green Bay uh, two years ago and then picked up a job in Dallas. The The talent level, talent-wise, Dallas should have been competing for Super Bowls for the past three years. Zeke Elliott, Dak Prescott, Michael Gallup, and now Amari Cooper for the past two seasons. They should have been making some deep playoff runs, and uh, they hadn't made the playoffs either of those two years. Which made is why I've been screaming so hard and so adamant that the Cowboys needed to move on from Jason Garrett. Um, if Jerry wants to make another chance at a Super Bowl run, he's going to have to give up a little bit of power, and I think that's what he did with Mike McCarthy. Now all that's left to see is how um, he handles Dak and how that offense gets better because I think – the Cowboys are one of those teams where if their offense is playing really, really well, their defense tries to match that. And I think that's their best plan of attack moving forward. But other than that, I really don't see... They haven't made a huge move. And uh, the only change that they've made that gives me hope is the head coaching position. And unfortunately, it's uh, not about the X's and the O's. It's about the Jimmys and the Joes. So we'll see what happens with them on the field, hopefully, um, during the offseason. 18th overall, Miami. They traded with Pittsburgh. Uh, they finished at 8-8. Eight and eight. So, actually, no, Miami. Miami traded back into the first round with Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh doesn't have a first-round pick this year. This was the uh, Minka Fitzpatrick trade. Um, we've talked plenty about the Dolphins. Hopefully, they'll pick up somebody to... Uh, that's actually a decent for a team that has a top five overall pick, and then to be able to get back into the first round for an 18th. The Dolphins are set up in a great position uh, for this year's draft to get two key starters and impact players in the first round. Vegas traded back into the first round with Chicago. This is one of those picks from the Khalil Mack deal. 
So we'll see what uh, Chucky can do with an extra second chance here in the first round at number 19. Jacksonville also traded back into the first or got gets back into the first round uh, with the pick that they picked up from the Jalen Ramsey trade at number 20. And then Philly, Philadelphia, um, two seasons ago, two seasons ago, wow, the fir- the Super Bowl champions, first Super Bowl championship in the Eagles history. Um, if Carson Wentz can stay healthy and they can have some, like, if they keep two receivers healthy overall, I think that they are in a good spot to pos- possibly win, to- win the division which they did win it last year, but win it a little bit more convincingly. And then I think they could possibly make some noise in the playoffs as well as uh, one of those teams that win wins their division and then is going to have to play in, in a big wild card game. I think that they can make it to at least the second round, maybe even the third round of the playoffs, um, and compete for a conference championship if they keep their receivers healthy. Because they looked great going into last season, and then Deshaun Jackson went out. I, I think they were using the equipment manager as like a slot receiver. Um, that's how many guys actually ended up going down with injuries. I trust Doug Peterson, and I think Carson Wentz has proven that even though he went to a smaller college, he was worth that second overall pick. Just got to stay healthy. That's basically the, that's the main thing for the Eagles right now. Stay healthy. Number 22, the Vikings. They traded this pick with Buffalo. Um, I don't, I'm not on it. I'm honestly not sure what they got out of the trade or what Buffalo got out of this trade. But last year, the Vikings were 5th in offensive efficiency, 10th in defensive efficiency, 25th in special teams, and 7th overall. Um... Cousins actually kind of made me eat my words a little bit, but I think Dalvin Cook was the main reason. Uh, oh, the, this was the Stephon Diggs um, pick that they got for uh, Buffalo traded for Stephon Diggs, and now Minnesota will be without one of their star receivers. Um, and if you want to know what kind of a star receiver he was, Stephon Diggs is the guy who caught the Minneapolis Miracle. So uh, I'm going to try and pull that up real quick, see how long... It'll take. But that that radio audio is one of the best that I think I've ever seen. Or heard. Hopefully this goes without an ad. Nope. I think overall, the Vikings are one of those... um, one of those teams that have been competitive for a while, and this could possibly be the year that they take that next step forward. Um, they got to win the division first, that NFC North. Uh, win it from the Packers, win it from the Bears. Uh, I can't remember. Oh, win it from the Packers, win it from the Bears, and then we'll see how this goes. I think I found the uh, Minneapolis Miracle radio call. 39. Receivers right, heel and left. Marshawn Lattimore, 12 yards from Adam. Case on a deep drop, steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side. Oh my dick, stay oh on the Oh my god! So that was the trade that ended up getting the Vikings the 22nd pick, and then they also 
their pick this year for the draft was 25th. Um, like I said, they're, they've been talented enough for a while, and Cousins proved to me that he can win in some big games. Um, they just need to keep the talent going around him. And I think their defense needs to get a little bit better. 10th is, is good. That's the top third of the league. But when they were making it into the uh, NFC Championship that they ended up losing against the Eagles, their defense uh, was a, a lot better than that. They were top five, at least, in the league. Patriots at number 23. Last year, their offensive efficiency was 17th. Their defense was first, and their special teams was ninth. So overall, they were the fourth most efficient team in the league. This will be interesting. It's kind of uncharted territory, especially for a lot of the Patriots fans that I know of that haven't been that have only been fans since Brady um, won the Super Bowl and had been the starting quarterback. I think this is going to be a little bit more. If you remember the season where uh, Brady got hurt, and then in in all of the crazy wild twists that nobody saw coming, Favre played for the Jets, and that division wasn't decided till the last day of the season. I think that's what the NFC East is going to be a little bit like. Um, but also they're playing Jared Stidham, who had two years to sit under Tom Brady and figure out how to be a pro. So if anybody... If there's any team who lost a franchise quarterback for the past 20 years that has the ability to possibly not miss a, miss a beat, it's the Patriots. Uh, and I know a lot of I, I know I have a brother and a cousin who are Giants fans, and then I also have another brother who's a, a Jets fan. And I know they don't want me want to hear that that the Patriots could possibly still be really good and, and win that division, but it's it's definitely a possibility. You don't have the greatest coach of all time without being able to uh, throw your weight around a little bit, even after the quarterback is gone. 24th overall pick, the New Orleans Saints. They finished 13-3 and last year, 4th in offensive efficiency, 11th in defensive efficiency, 2nd in special teams, and overall they were 5th in efficiency. Um, they were one of those random occurrences where they went 13-3 and and ended up having to play wildcard weekend, got upset by the Vikings. Nobody really saw it coming. Trying to uh, figure out where the Saints see themselves and where the, I think I see the Saints going in the next few years is difficult because um, everybody says Taysom Hill is going to be the next franchise quarterback for the Saints once Breeze is done. I don't believe that because this year when Breeze got hurt, Bridgewater is the guy who stepped in. Um, Taysom Hill is... I, I think he's the most fun player to watch in the league and I really enjoy watching a guy who has no ego will take a, a quarterback rep then go to running back then the receiver then run down on kickoff he's one of those guys i'd love to play with a Taysom hill type of guy he's also 27 he, he hasn't been in the league that long but he went on his mission trip out of byu for uh, his faith and he, he missed those two years of being in the nfl and learning a little bit who knows where the saints are going but they still have another year with breeze um and we will see whether or not he starts to decline, but he hasn't yet. 25th, the Vikings' original pick. We've already talked about them. The Dolphins traded back in. They have three first-round picks this year. And this one is from Houston. So the Dolphins are picking at 5, 18, and 26. In a year where Brady's not no longer in the AFC East, depending on who they pick, 
Um, they could be an, an early favorite for the division title. At this point, as it stands now, I was going to give the advantage to Buffalo, but the Dolphins with three first-round picks and the depth of the talent in this year's draft, if everybody adapts and everything goes according to plan, they could be very scary moving forward. 27, the Seahawks, 11-5. and I've talked about it a lot. I thought that they overplayed um, what they probably should have had. Last season, DK Metcalf surprised me. I didn't think that he was going to come in and be able to learn the nuance of the receiver position. He proved me wrong. Excuse me. He proved me wrong. Um, and then Russell Wilson, I think, I know he hasn't won as many Super Bowls as Brady, and he's not necessarily as much of a quarterback quarterback as Aaron Rodgers, but I think Russell Wilson could be the most talented quarterback in the NFL what he was, what he's been able to do the last two seasons with zero offensive line, um, and then minimal help on the outsides. Now it's getting a little bit better. Uh, and hats off to Pete Carroll too. Last year the Seahawks were 14th in offensive efficiency, 17th in defensive, 11th in special teams, and 13th overall. Uh, if they would have got past the, um, I think they lost to the Eagles. No, actually, I think they beat the Eagles, and then lost. To, I honestly don't remember how the, the playoffs from last season went. But if they would have been able to make it past the round that they got knocked out in, they could have been uh, uh, very deadly, and I could have seen them possibly winning the conference championship because uh, they got knocked out in the divisional round. 28th pick of the first round, Baltimore Ravens finished last season 14-2. and The second most efficient offense and the fourth most efficient defense, 12th most efficient special teams. They were a huge letdown last season. Um, I thought Lamar Jackson had kind of quieted all of his critics, except last season in the playoffs he played like absolute garbage once again. So I'm back to uh, not knowing exactly what they're going to be like. They're still just as talented. Uh, They traded away Hayden Hurst which I didn't agree with because Lamar Jackson loves to throw to tight ends. Hayden Hurst is a six foot six, 250-pound tight end that you can put on the line and have Mark Andrews split out. You have two of the biggest, most athletic freaks on the field at one time, and they decided to trade Hayden Hurst to Atlanta. So we'll see what happens. They were overall first in efficiency last year, uh, but they're going to have to at least win a playoff game this year to make up for the the blunder that was last season. Tennessee at number 29 finished 9 and 7. They got hot 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 towards the end of the season. Derrick Henry ended up turning into the player that everybody thought he was going to be coming out of college and I think the main thing about the Tennessee run that they went on last year and and seeing how how good Tennessee got and the step back Los Angeles took Roger Saffold I know he's just a guard, and I know that guards are uh, utterly devalued in the NFL because uh, especially when, I mean, when Quentin Nelson was going to be coming out of the draft, everybody said you can't draft a guard at number five. It's too much. The The positional value is not that, not that great. Tennessee added a left guard in Roger Saffold who was – absolutely mauling people like what he was doing to people on the field two years ago in Los Angeles could have been borderline 
illegal with how badly he was beating people. And then this year he took it one step further and was just basically assaulting people on the field. Um, and I love their coach with Vrabel. I think that he knows he's of the Belichick tree where he's not trying to be Belichick. He's getting the best people that he can in the places that he needs to. And then he's kind of just taking the reins and running the show as the head coach should. Offensively, they were 10th. Defensively, they were 14th. Special teams-wise, they were 27th. And then overall, they were 12th. So the, the Titans, the, I don't know, the, the AFC South is so difficult to predict most of the time because who would have thought three years ago that Jacksonville would have been the AFC championship? And then last year, who would have expected Tennessee to be a wild card team in the AFC championship? So who knows what's going to happen there? Shout out to Taylor Lewan and Will Compton busting with the boys. Uh, if they ever hear this, I hope they do. They're they're one of the big podcasts that I listen to, um, and Taylor Lewan and Will Compton are two active NFL players, uh, and you should definitely go give their podcast a listen. They just got brought in underneath the Barstool banner, but they're a lot of fun to listen to, especially if you're a big football fan and you like the uh, inside stories, behind-the-scenes scoop that they provide. 30th pick, Green Bay, finished 13-3, and lost in the NFC Championship to the 49ers. Um, LaFleur, other than the few beatings that they took against San Francisco, I think LaFleur had a really good debut season as a head coach. Uh, offensively, they were ninth. Defensively, they were sixth. Special teams-wise, they were 24th. And overall, they were sixth. Um, at 30, you don't necessarily get a pick that's going to transcend you, but they have, I think, arguably one of the most talented quarterback prospects or quarterbacks that have ever played in this league. Um Get him a couple more receivers, and who knows how far the Packers can go. 49ers back at 31, and then obviously rounding out the first round is the Kansas City Chiefs with 32, finished 12-4. and four. Ended up going on a huge... Ended up somehow getting the first seed in the AFC, and then came from behind in all three of their playoff games to make it to the Super Bowl, and then came back from an 11-point deficit I think in the fourth quarter against the 49ers to claim their second Super Bowl in franchise history and the first one since Super Bowl three. Have the best quarterback in the NFL draft or in the NFL period and two of the best pass-blocking tackles, and their defense got a lot better, and they re-signed Chris Jones. So last year they were fourth offensively, 13th defensively, ninth special teams-wise, and overall they were fourth. They were the fourth most efficient team. As long as that defense doesn't lose a ton of talent, they're going to be set up to go right back through the AFC West and the AFC playoffs again. Uh, we could see Patrick Mahomes in two Super Bowls in his first three seasons as a starter. That's the draft order and where all the teams kind of round themselves out. That took a little bit longer than I thought it was going to. So instead of doing the top five at each position, I'll just talk about the top five prospects to- prospects total before we get into our live mock draft. So right now, Chase Young is ranked the first player overall. Not a surprise. Uh, edge rushers, especially since Lawrence Taylor broke Joe Theismann's leg, have been increasingly more valuable. And when you find a guy that's 6'5", 264 pounds, and has an 8-peck and the length of his arms, um, he was arguably the best pass rusher on Ohio State's team when, I don't know if you've heard of this guy, he was just the defensive rookie of the year last season, but Nick, uh, 
and now I'm drawing a blank. Nick Bosa. He was arguably the best pass rusher two years ago when Nick Bosa was still on Ohio State before he left. He was arguably arguably still the best defensive player on that team. I have a little bit of pause when I decide whether or not I want somebody to take a chance on him because after he came back from his suspension, um, granted he was getting triple and quadruple teamed, but it seemed like he was playing with a little bit less fire. So Chase Young is the number one prospect overall. I think talent-wise and ceiling-wise, I would agree with that. But, you know, I still have I have the, uh, the fact that I got to get over that he was an Ohio State player and I think that he was a little bit lazy towards the end of last season so those are those are the problems that I have with him that I would have to get over but I do think that he's still the number one prospect in this year's draft number two right now was Joe Burrow quarterback from LSU I think had probably the greatest college football season uh, in history Ever since, if you watched the bowl game two years ago between LSU and UCF, and he threw that interception that ended up being returned for the return to the house for a touchdown, and he got absolutely planted by the nose guard for uh, UCF. He got back up through four touchdowns, I think, in that game, and then broke the touchdown record, the passing yardage record, and led an LSU team to a national championship. And I didn't think going into the season that they would have been national championship contenders. But um, his cool demeanor and the way that he was able to just shred defenses and take advantage of the fact that he had the best receiving core in the country, I think is why he's there. I think he's top five. I wouldn't necessarily put him two because right now he's over Isaiah Simmons and uh, Okuda, Jeff Okuda, who's a cornerback for uh, Ohio State that is also very, very good. But I think that he should be top five. I think he's going to go number one overall to the Bengals, hopefully. And that could possibly quiet down our revolving door. Not our revolving door, but could possibly upgrade our quarterback position. And then we could see um, the team take advantage of some of the other talent that they have on the field. Joe Mixon, back-to-back 1,000-yard rusher. If they don't trade him, also if they trade him, I'm also, I'm going to give up my Bengals fandom. Um We'll see. I say that now, but we'll see what happens if it, if anything does come to fruition. Third-ranked prospect is Isaiah Simmons from Clemson. Uh, he's listed as a linebacker. He plays linebacker, safety, defensive end, and he probably could line up at corner. That's how fast he is. Six foot four, two hundred thirty-eight pounds. I'm gonna look up his forty number because. That was when I, I mean, I started to pay attention to him a little bit towards the end of last college football season, Um, but his combine just solidified everything that I thought of. He ran a 4.39 40-yard dash, which was the fastest of any of the linebackers. Obviously, I thought that he was going to be the fastest of all the linebackers, but a 4.39 is a defensive back time, and he's doing that at 238 pounds. Really smart. He... It looked like he knew exactly where the opposing offense was going to go most of the time. Um, and in the Clemson dynasty that's been brewing with Dabo Swinney and, and all of that, I don't think it's possible without Isaiah Simmons. So uh, Isaiah Simmons, I think, 
there's an argument to be made that he's the number one prospect overall, but he's definitely top three, and I think that he should be above Joe Burrow, but due to positional bias is why I think that he's the third-ranked prospect so far. Moving on to the number four-ranked prospect, Jeff Okuda. Um, Ohio State and their defensive backfield has been very, very talented the last few years, um, both underneath Urban Meyer and then it continued under Brian Day. I'm glad. Like I'm not an Ohio State fan, so I'm glad that they lost, but um, I can't remember who was who's just the cornerback. He plays Marcus L- Marshawn Lattimore? Lattimore for the Saints, who plays cornerback is probably a very good comparison to Okuda. Uh, Okuda is right now is 6'1", 205. That's fairly big for a cornerback. Um, I believe that he... So last year he had 35 tackles and three interceptions. CBS Sports rates him as the 95. His strengths include he exudes confidence. He's the best coverage cornerback in this class, and it's not even close. And he has ideal size. Um, his weaknesses, he sometimes doesn't get off wide receiver blocks as easily as he should. And uh, he, he gets in trouble grabbing. And he, he needs to be a little bit more involved in the run support game. But other than that, I think his upside way overpowers his downside. And whether or not you draft him, if he turns into the next Deion Sanders, great. Because he has that ability. But if not, he's still going to be... Uh, a multiple-time pro bowler and could be a, a huge key in somebody's defense. And then fifth-ranked prospect right now, Tua Tagovailoa. Um, not going to like really soured on Tua over the past couple seasons. I think even if he played, I mean, obviously he played um, against LSU this past year. I don't see Alabama beating Auburn even if he did play. Um, is six foot two seventeen, so he resembles a lot of Drew Brees, but he is left-handed. Uh, doesn't have the biggest arm, and he gets in trouble sometimes with his reads um, and his injury history. I mean, the dislocating a hip is very bad. Plus, he broke his nose when he did that, and then he had the two ankle surgeries in his last two seasons at Alabama. So who knows? Um, what they're going to get in the NFL, but if you have the ability to maybe take him and have him sit for a year or maybe take him and, and then if we have an extended offseason due to the coronavirus, that could possibly be a good thing for whoever ends up drafting Tua. Um, but I think he's he's more – he resembles more of a Tim Tebow to me than he does um, a Peyton Manning to where he has most of his success in college and can never quite capture it back in the NFL. Uh, And then Peyton Manning obviously didn't win anything really in college, but then came into the league and was one of the best quarterbacks for the the greater part of two decades. Okay. So we are about to get ready to do the live mock draft. And first, Fanspeak, once again, we're doing this mock draft through Fanspeak.com. Please, if you're going to do a mock draft of your own, go there. 
they aren't the uh, biggest one that you can use, but they I chose them because they're along the same lines as this show where um, they started they started the website for the love of drafting and the love of the NFL draft and trying to predict where everybody's going to go. But they are not, they started it for the love of their draft and then they're still chugging along. Um, This show was started for the love of broadcasting and then obviously I'm going to uh, continue to do this show because I love broadcasting and I love giving people content that can possibly um, turn their day around if they're having a bad day. So we're going to do this. You have to pick a team that you're going to draft for. I'm a Bengals fan. They have the number one overall pick this year. It just makes sense. We'll draft with the Bengals, but I'm going to go be going over each of the picks for the first round. We're only going to do a mock draft of the first round and then I will put this down somewhere uh, for the live episode. We'll see how close or how completely, utterly wrong, and it's more likely that that will be the case, I was. But here we go. We're starting the fan speak draft. We're drafting one round. Trying to decide which big board we're going to use. And that's the great thing about Fanspeak as well. You get to choose which team you're going to be drafting for, and then it also gives you different boards um, that are, are made by either, I mean, this one is Matt Bleacher Report, Matt Miller. Um, they have some of the Fanspeak people. CBS, Josh Edwards has a big board on here. CBS Sports Composite has a big board on here. So there's plenty of big boards that you can choose from. And I think the one that we will use, which one has been updated the the most recent? Kingdom Connection, Brandon Norris. So that will be the big board that we are picking from. That was was made, I think, two days ago. All right. Let's get into our live mock draft. Obviously, since we're picking for the Bengals, we're going to have the first pick overall. Heard a lot of different things about where they're possibly going to go. Uh, On this big board, Joe Burrow is the 12th-ranked prospect. 12th ranked player available. They have Chase Young, Jeffrey Okuda, Isaiah Simmons, Jerry Judy, Tristan Wirfs, Justin Herbert, Javin Kinlaw, Tua Tagovailoa, CeeDee Lamb, Andrew Thomas, and Derek Brown all in front of Burrow. I think if you're going to go just by quarterbacks, I'm going to. I think Burrow is probably the the top quarterback prospect, not just not necessarily because he's the most talented, but he is the oldest, most mature, and has shown he's he's had the closest experience over the past couple of years to a professional quarterback, 
that anybody else is going to have because he was a graduate transfer when he first got to LSU, and then he was basically taking underwater basket weaving and uh, something else to make sure that he hit the credit requirement to be a student. So he's been basically a professional football player for the past however, however uh, three semesters, give or take. Um, and if you watched him last season, you know that he's got all the confidence in the world. I think he's one of those guys that if he gets drafted, when he get, goes first overall to the worst team in the league, uh, he's one of those guys that has the confidence, confidence or arrogance, whatever you want to call it, that he is going to be the one to take this take this team out of the dumps and put him back on the map. So I'm going to draft Joe Burrow as the first pick in our live mock draft. So second pick overall was Chase. Actually, I'll, I'll let the because it's going through the rest of the picks in the first round before I can see who the recent picks were. But I know if you listen to Gunnison Sports Talk Radio, our, our radio show that we did here in the Gunnison Valley for Western's student station, KWSB 91.1 FM, um, we, uh, I've kind of gone back and forth on, on this whole... Should we draft Joe Burrow? Should Joe Burrow be the number one pick in the draft? And then once it was for certain that the Bengals were the first overall pick, um, I had Rev, Coca, and Tyler Sexton try and convince me as to why Joe Burrow should be uh, my choice for the number one pick in, for the Bengals in this year's draft. They they kind of swayed me, and then also just taking a little bit, uh, taking a second look back at everything. Because I was more uh, along the lines of I wanted to draft Chase Young because he's been dominant for multiple years, and Burrow's only really been a winner and and only a starting quarterback for two seasons in college, and only really been a, a big winner for one of them. But they they told me to look back at his resume in this past year. I think he beat seven of the top fifteen ranked teams on his way to a national championship, plus beat a Clemson team who hadn't lost a game in over a year and a half. Uh, so the, I think that that made a pretty good argument for it. So I picked Cincinnati Bengals round one, pick one in this mock draft. Pick Joe Burrow. Second pick was Chase Young. Third pick to the Chase Young goes to the Redskins. That would help them out a lot because they need a lot of help on their defensive side of the ball. Jeffrey Okuda went to the Lions. Not a bad pick for them. Give them a second cornerback opposite Slay. To uh, instead of just having half the field shut down, now you basically just have to worry about the middle of the field with your safeties and linebackers. Defensive lineman Derek Brown, who is a senior, 6'5", 326 from Auburn, went fourth to the Giants. Not necessarily the way I thought I saw them going. I thought that they would try and get... Um, if you look at the top prospects for the receivers, C.D. Lamb was still there, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, um, Justin Jefferson. So there was a lot of different receivers that I think could have helped out Daniel Jones more than Derek Brown. But maybe they're going with the you know, computer simulation. Went with the uh, we're gonna the Giants are gonna try and get people to score as little points as possible, so they still have a chance to win. So he went to the the Giants at fourth overall. The Dolphins picked Herbert at fifth overall. 
Um, I, I see them either picking Herbert or Tua, depending on who's there. And then the Chargers at number six pick Tua. Um, that's basically a flip-flop. I could see them going either way. Isaiah Simmons fell to number seven. And he went to the Panthers. Not necessarily who I, I thought was going to pick him up. I uh, I kind of saw Detroit maybe picking Isaiah Simmons because he'd be... Um, I mean, we've seen how impactful Khalil Mack has been as a pass rusher. Plus, Simmons has the added advantage that he can he's really good in pass coverage as well and really fast play sideline to sideline. So the Panthers picked him up, kind of replaces Luke Keekley, although he, they are different in the positions kind of that they play. The Cardinals selected Andrew Thomas, offensive tackle. And he is from Georgia. Not a bad pick, 6'5", 315. Uh, if you want to protect your number one overall pick from two seasons ago, that would be the way to go. Uh, I don't think he's the top offensive lineman in this draft. The I think the top offensive lineman is Tristan Wirfs, but people are starting to think that maybe he's more of a guard, even though he's bigger than Andrew Thomas is. Uh, Wirfs is 6'5", 320. Thomas is 6'5", 315. Um... So the, the Cardinals decided to get some insurance to back, protect Kyler Murray. CeeDee Lamb went number nine to the Jaguars. I don't see them going defense because they've lost so many defensive weapons. But then, like I said, they could use some more weapons for uh, – they, they can use some more receivers for Gardner Minshew, and CeeDee Lamb would be one of those guys. If you've watched CeeDee Lamb play in college, you know that he's 100% of the time the number one receiver on the field no matter who he plays. Um, from Oklahoma, and he had the privilege of catching passes from the last two Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks, and the last quarterback that he had a year ago was uh, the runner-up for the Heisman in um, Jalen Hurts. So obviously worthy of the number nine pick overall. The 10th pick to the Browns, Makai Becton. CBS Sports has him as the 13th prospect overall, and he's the one, two, three, fourth offensive line prospect out of Louisville. 6'7", 364. Uh, he's very athletic. Uh, he proved that at his combine. I think he's one of the he, – he ran a 5'1", so he was only a ten hundredths of a second slower than Jake Fromm, the quarterback prospect from Georgia. The Browns need offensive line help. He could, if he comes in and, and solidifies himself. Uh, his professional comparison right now is Orlando Brown Jr., who, uh, funny enough, played with Baker Mayfield in college at Oklahoma. That could be a big help for them, uh, picking up some offensive line depth when they definitely needed it. The Jets at number 11 picked Henry Ruggs the third. Well. He's the third-ranked wide receiver prospect in this year's draft. CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy are the two ranked ahead of him. Uh, if you're going for just pure speed and a slot receiver, which the Jets, I don't know if they need a slot receiver. I think they probably need an X or a Z more. But the slot receiver position, it lends itself to speed and being able to go around people i will just say if this is if you're a jets fan and this is who you want to pick uh speaking from experience as a Bengals fan we have the guy who runs the fastest 40 in the history of the combine 
and he hasn't seen the field in three years. So if he's strong enough and durable enough to make it through a season and, and beat press coverage, which is what he's going to see a lot in the NFL, hats off to him. But I I haven't seen somebody like that in the past few years. The Vegas Raiders selected Patrick Queen, linebacker, I believe from Oklahoma, LSU. Patrick Queen was a linebacker from LSU. Murray's the one from excuse me, Oklahoma. 23rd ranked prospect overall. The Raiders, really, if they bolster, we, we talked about them, and, and they had the fourth most efficient offense, but one of the last most efficient defenses, Patrick Queen, uh, sideline-to-sideline guy, can anchor them in the middle. Uh, I could see him being a Matt Miller, but way, way, way more athletic. Six foot, 229. He can take on the uh, guards and tackles that are going to try and get, on, get up to him and block him. And uh, he, he can make some good tackles. Patrick Queen, let's see if they have. Last year in 15 games, he had 85 tackles, three sacks, and an interception. Um, so if he has even a fraction of those numbers, that would be a successful pick, especially at a, at a kind of like a, a no-man's-land pick at number 12. So the Raiders, I agree with that pick. Jerry Judy ends up going to the 49ers. Um... Didn't necessarily think that was going to be where I saw the 49ers going, but um, I think Jerry Judy's the the second-best wide receiver in this whole draft behind C.D. Lamb. Uh, CBS Sports agrees with me. He's 6'1", 193. Doesn't have the the flat speed that Henry Ruggs does, but he runs a lot more of the different routes, and uh, he could... He can be an explosive member of their team, just like they had uh, Debo Samuel um, that they used, utilized this past year. And I'm sure uh, Shanahan can come up with some weird funky motion that somehow he gets a handoff out of the backfield. So I, I think that's a good pick for the 49ers at 13. 14, Buccaneers select cornerback C.J. Henderson. And C.J. Henderson is from Florida. He's the second-ranked cornerback, 16th-ranked prospect overall, 6'1", 204. So he's got good size. Um, and and I think getting – if there was a weakness in Tampa Bay's defense, it's their defensive backfield. So that would help solidify them a little bit more. Uh, if you're familiar with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at all, you know that – their defense when they won their Super Bowl was second to none, and that was a, a really they had an elite level defensive backfield member in John Lynch at safety, and they had an elite level linebacker Derek Brooks, and they had an elite level nose tackle in Warren Sapp. So maybe they're trying to recreate some of what they had in the past. And plus, I think they, I don't know if they think they need to draft an offensive player in the first round with the picking up of Tom Brady. So I, I think that's a good pick for them at 14. 15, Broncos select Justin Jefferson from LSU. He is the fourth-ranked receiver prospect, but he's the best one available at this point. Uh, last year, he he played in 15 games, had 111 receptions, 1,540 yards receiving, averaged 13.9 a catch, and had 18 touchdowns. If you're going to try and get weapons for a young quarterback, you have 
uh, tight end in Noah Fant. You have a receiver in Cortland Sutton, and now you possibly have a second receiver in Justin Jefferson. I, I could see that being a big, a big plus. But also, I think that they could have really benefited from drafting Tristan Wirfs. Uh, I think they can make do, especially with the picking up of Melvin Gordon out of the backfield. They can make do with. Um, they can make do with Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant in the passing game, and then Melvin Gordon helping out as well. Picking up Tristan Wirfs at number 15, and then, I mean, the 35th overall prospect and the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6th ranked receiver from Clemson would have possibly still been there. You could have picked up LaVisca Chenault in a later round because, you, you know, he's... He's coming off of a, a bum hamstring injury, so you got to make sure that he's going to be okay with that. But he's going to drop a little bit in the rankings. KJ Hamler possibly could have been available. Chase Claypool would have been a really good slot receiver that would have paired nicely with Noah Fant and Cortland Sutton on the uh, at tight end on the on the outside. Plus, I mean, even if you go down, this receiving class is absolutely unreal. Donovan Peoples-Jones was a highly touted recruit when he came out of high school and has been nothing short of amazing at Michigan. You have uh, K.J. Hill from Ohio State, who's the 118th ranked prospect. He would have definitely been there in the second round. I think that his talent is second-round talent at best. Uh, Last year in 14 games, he had 57 receptions, 636 yards, and 10 touchdowns. So the, the Broncos... Uh, like I said, I'm going to have a little bit different of an idea of what I think they should do. I think they could have gone with Tristan Wirfs, solidified their offensive line, maybe been able to get rid of a, a bust in Garrett Bowles and then get back on track with a uh, receiver later in the draft. But they, the computer decided to go with Justin Jefferson. I don't agree with that pick. The Falcons selected Javon Kinlaw. Not necessarily too familiar with him. Defensive lineman. From South Carolina, 6'5", 324. So the Falcons are, are trying to add a little bit of size and bulk up their defense. Their offense is stacked, so the, the, I agree with them going defense in the first round. Trayvon Diggs at 17 to the Cowboys, another cornerback. 30th-ranked prospect overall, Trayvon Diggs from Alabama, 6'1", 205. Um... I don't really have good feelings or bad feelings about this pick. It's a lot It's similar to how I f- thought about the Cowboys for the past few years until they got rid of uh, Jason Garrett. It, it's like an 8-8 eight eight pick. At 17, they pick Trayvon Diggs, who is the fifth-ranked player at his position, uh, and you still had Christian Fulton and A.J. Terrell on, and actually C.J. Henderson. The only cornerback off the board before them was C.J. Henderson. C.J. Henderson and, and Jeffrey Okuda. So they still had, could have gotten the third best cornerback at the position, and they decided not to go with him. They got the fourth best. Um, guys from Alabama tend to do pretty well in the NFL defensively. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick is probably one of the top young safeties in the league. And uh, the defensive players tend to have more success out of Nick Saban's uh, little 
cavalcade of, of fun out there in Alabama than the offensive players do. It's kind of like an 8-8 eight eight pick. That's that's how I'll describe it. Miami, with their second pick in the first round, picked Tristan Wirfs. Uh, if you listen, I mean, based off of my reaction to the Broncos pick, not picking up Wirfs, and then him going one, two, three picks later to the Dolphins, that would sting a little bit if you if I were a Broncos fan because that's going to solidify their offensive line. It's not going to make them a great team, but they were competitive last year with pretty bad offensive line play. That stacks that a little bit better, um, gives them a little bit more protection for their possible quarterbacks. LaVisca Chenault went 19th to the Raiders. That makes some sense. The Raiders historically have drafted based off of combine numbers, but I think LaVisca Chenault is different in the fact that he's more of just a, a game a game changer. He, he can run past people. He can. He's also physical. He's 6'1", 227. Uh, his strengths, according to CBS.com, CBSSports.com, lines up anywhere on the field. Size and strength to win against cornerbacks, safeties, and maybe even linebackers in the NFL. And he plays faster than what he was timed. And his, if you talk about a 50-50 receiver, LaVisca Chenault should be the picture in that dictionary. Uh, struggles... Is he struggles to stay healthy? He hurt himself at the combine. I think he popped his hamstring, so he didn't run very fast, and he can't quite create the amount of separation that a elite receiver needs to do. But with Vegas, I don't know. I'm trying to see if I can find the other receivers. I know that they have Hunter Renfro, Nelson Aguilar now. So if they were to pick up a LaVisca Chenault, Renfro, kind of like your slot receiver, Aguilar is more of your X or Z, and then Chenault would have been also a, a pretty good mix in that wide receiver room. Plus, I think he's a little bit more of a tweener. He's not necessarily an outside receiver or a slot receiver. He can play both, and he can learn from both of those guys and benefit from seeing how everybody else like that developed for Vegas. Number 20, Jeff Gladney. Jaguars picked Jeff Gladney. He's the sixth-ranked cornerback from TCU. Christian Fulton, A.J. Terrell still on the board, and they decided to go with Jeff Gladney. And he's one of the smaller cornerbacks, 5'10", 191. That's a bad, bad pick for the Jaguars. They picked up a slot cornerback when they have lost both of their top cornerbacks on the outside. That's a, If that happens, that's a terrible pick. I feel bad if you're a Jaguars fan, and that's what they end up doing. 21, Zach Bond goes to the Eagles, linebacker. Fourth-ranked linebacker from Wisconsin. Wisconsin linebackers tend to do pretty well in, in transition to the NFL quickly. T.J. Watt, one example. J.J. Watt, also another example. Not necessarily a linebacker, but more of a tweener. So I, I can see how that would work, and he's a senior. A lot of teams only draft seniors or juniors because they've had they feel like those guys have had enough time in college to develop and mature. It's a lot different drafting a 23-year-old kid than a 20-year-old kid. So I don't have any problems with that. I think that helps out the Eagles defense um, that does need a lot of help. 
I could have seen them possibly dipping into the receiver pool. But like I said, the receiver pool is so deep. Um, they were the 21st pick in the first round, so they're going to have a pick towards the end of the second round. I could see them picking up T. Higgins, uh, maybe a Denzel Mims from Baylor, 6'3", 207. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. from USC is not one to slip on. Plus, you also have K.J. Hamler and... Uh, Who's the guy from Ohio State? I just KJ Hamler and KJ Hill uh, are also going to still possibly be on the board. So that that's a good pick for the Eagles solidify some of their defensive holes and then know that you still have the opportunity to fill up the holes on offense. At twenty two, the Vikings selected selected Austin Jackson, offensive lineman. And he is the ninth-ranked offensive lineman. I'm not quite sure why they went with him. Maybe it's a little bit of the computer just trying to be random. But they're still... I mean, Tristan Wirfs and Andrew Thomas at this point and Mekhi Becton were all off the board, but there's still Josh Jones, who's a senior, 6'5", 319 from uh, Houston. Um... You had Lloyd Cushenberry third from LSU, 6'3", 312. And LSU's offensive line was just voted the top offensive line in all of college football last season, so that possibly could have helped a little bit more. If you're going offensive line, why pick the ninth best player at your position? Pick the best player that's available at your position at the position that you're trying to draft for, and that would have been Jedrick Willis Jr. from Alabama, 6'4", 312. Um, honestly, he's comparable in size and I would trust an Alabama guy a lot faster than I would trust a USC guy, especially at offensive line. Number 23, T. Higgins goes to the Patriots. That would be uh, very disheartening for the other teams in the AFC East because I just talked about how maybe the, the Patriots are starting to go reloading. But if they pick up T. Higgins, who was a playmaker from the day he stepped on campus, at Clemson, I don't really see that. I don't see that not being good for them. Gives t- gives uh, Jared Stidham or whoever ends up winning the starting quarterback position for the Patriots a really explosive receiver. Plus, they just picked up. Uh, I'm having trouble figuring out Nikhil Harry last season, and uh, obviously still have Edelman. So that would T Higgins would kind of replace. The hole left by Gronkowski, 6'4", 216. So he's not as heavy as Gronkowski, but maybe he's able to go across the middle a little bit more and run those routes that Gronk used to. I like that pick for the Patriots. Saints selected safety Grant Delpit, first safety in the draft so far. And he's the second-ranked safety from LSU, 6'3", 213. Um... LSU's defense was on a whole nother level, especially when everybody was healthy. And that, if the Saints are still do, doing the bounty gate stuff, a 213-pound safety can do some damage in that area. So that's a decent pick for the Saints. Brandon Ayuk goes to the the Vikings at 25. This would be their replacement for trading digs. Ayuk is the fifth-ranked receiver from Arizona State, six foot two hundred five. Um, is shifty and, and does a lot of the same things that Diggs was able to do. So they they lost one and picked up another one. 
on their second first round pick. And then at 26, so we have six picks left. No, this episode is running a little bit long, but um, leading up into the draft, this will be good. Denzel Mims, the Dolphins pick at number 26. Denzel Mims is the eighth-ranked receiver uh, in his position group and the 40th prospect overall. 6'3", 207, played at Baylor. So he's been in an air raid offense, Does probably doesn't necessarily quite understand the route tree as well as mon- uh, a couple of these other receivers from more pro-style systems could. But it, uh, for the Dolphins, they need explosive playmakers. Mims can be that if he kind of grows into the role of NFL receiver. That's not bad for them. For three picks in the first round, Miami got one of the top three quarterbacks in Herbert, I think the top offensive lineman in Werfs, and that was at 18. And then at 26, Denzel Mims, that would be a hell of a first round for the Dolphins. Uh, if you're a fan of Miami, I'd be praying every night for the, for something like that. Good pick for Miami. Um, Seahawks at 27, pick Christian Fulton. Trying to build up that defensive secondary that hasn't been as good as the Legion of Boom since that second Super Bowl. Christian Fulton is the cornerback from trying to pull it up here. LSU, 6'197", so a little bit on the smaller side, but he's going to have a lot more speed. He excels in man coverage. Um, he's rarely, rarely out of position at top of the route, and click and close click and close ability is among the best in his class. So he's he's good. He, he he has to get stronger, and uh, he, he ran a 4.46, which as a cornerback is kind of slow. Um, I never even dreamed of running a 4.46, but for his position. And then he was also suspended uh, in the 2017 season. So it might be something to look into. Um, Pete Carroll's normally pretty good about getting guys who are maybe lost in college or wayward in college on track in the NFL. I think that's a good pick for the the Seahawks. At 28, the Ravens select edge rusher Clavon Chassion. He's the second-ranked edge rusher, rusher, 14th in the whole class from LSU, 6'3", 254. So a little bit shorter than Chase Young. Um, Normally means that his arms aren't going to be as long, and I think that's the biggest Difficulty as, as a former offensive lineman breaking down the frightful, uh, the the probably the thing that would prob- that would make me pee myself on the field having to block Chase Young. His arm length is the biggest reason about that, plus his strength. So I, I think being a little bit shorter, his arms aren't going to be as long. But for CBSSports.com, his strength, speed to power is elite. Uh, we'll see how elite that is when it transitions to the NFL when he's playing against grown men and not 18-year-olds at some points of the season. He's bendy and has quick twitch athleticism. He plays well against top competition. I, I would agree with that. LSU obviously was the national champion last year. His weaknesses, um, he hasn't been playing the, pos- the position for very long. And... Um, 
he's much more of a pass rushing edge rusher than a all around edge ru- edge rusher. The reason Chase Young is the number one prospect overall is because he can set the edge in the run and pass. Uh, and right now it looks like Kalevon Chasson, f- uh, according to the, the CBSSports.com rankings, doesn't quite have that ability. He also missed the 2018 season to an ACL injury. Not necessarily as bad as it has been in the past, but it's not good. 29th, the Titans select Josh Jones. He's an offensive tackle from Houston. That's that's the guy from Houston that I was talking about. 6'5", 319. Um, I haven't really watched him play. I, I'm going to try and watch his highlight or at least tape of him before the uh, live episode on Thursday when the first round of the draft is going. That would be a really good pick depending on his personality-wise because they already have – um, Taylor Lewan and Roger Saffold on the left side. That's a. If you know anything about those two, that's a really nasty. It's just like plain mean left side of the offensive line. If he brings that and can solidify the right side, Titans might be putting themselves in a in a good situation. Jadrick Willis Jr. tackle from Alabama goes thirtieth to the Packers. Makes sense. I mean the thirtieth. Uh, pick in the draft, and, and they get the eighth-ranked prospect in in the whole thing. That just makes sense. That's uh, best player available. Pick Noah Igbenogeni goes 31 to the 49ers, cornerback. He is from Auburn, 5'10", 198, so smaller. Um, he could play the slot and maybe go against some of the faster receivers. The biggest thing about the 49ers defense and their biggest downfall was, yes, Richard Sherman brings um, savvy and experience and leadership to the defensive end of the field. What he does not bring is speed. So I, I, I assume Noah, that's all I'm going to be able to say, he, he has a, a lot more speed than what Richard Sherman shows. At 5'10", 198, he should. It comes from a track background, extremely physical throughout route, solid mirroring skills, rarely out of position. His weaknesses, he's rarely new to the cornerback the position. I'm, I'm assuming they changed him from receiver. Um, he gets handsy when he can't see the ball early, and his instincts aren't quite what the top-level cornerbacks are in the league. But if he gets drafted to the 49ers and then has to spend a season in the same room as Richard Sherman, that's not going to hurt anybody. And then rounding out the first round, the Chiefs, former or reigning Super Bowl champions, select Xavier McKinney, number one ranked pros, or safety prospect from Alabama, six foot two hundred one. Uh, this is one of those. I think it's one of those situations where you're hoping that uh, he ends up paying off, just like Minka Fitzpatrick did. Uh, for for those types of players, we had a Mount Rushmore. Uh, I, let me find my bearings once again, because this whole I didn't think that I was gonna have almost two hours of content for this episode. We'll we'll save the Mount Rushmore for. Um, I'll either do it the regular Thursday episode or maybe the live episode. Um, it was just Mount, Rush- Mount Rushmore of skill positions, but I think we did a lot of good draft analysis and breaking down leading into it. Um, 
like I said, be on the lookout Friday. You'll have the regular episode on Thursday coming out. Um, me and Kyle will be on that one. You'll have this one to listen to before the draft starts and get my analysis and, and my thoughts on some of the picks and where I think some of the teams will go. Uh, that's coming out. You're Either you're listening to it on Monday or sometime after Monday. And then we'll have the live episode where I'm going to record my reactions to each pick. And um, then I will also give my general wrap-up of the first round at the end of that episode. And then we'll be right back with another sports-themed episode on Monday. But I'd like to thank you guys for sitting through one of the longer podcasts that I've ever done, especially just by myself. Almost two hours of talking, but I guess you know how... I guess that's how you know um, this is my favorite time of the offseason, especially for the NFL. Please... Follow the Center of Attention Twitter page at COAPod73, all caps. Follow my Twitter at Proud, at Jimmy Pilato, excuse me. Um, and then my Instagram at Proud underscore WAP, my TikTok at Jimmy Pilato. This has been Center of Attention from the man, from the WAP, WAP cave. Uh, please, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please rate five stars and review. And then wherever you listen, no matter what, just tell somebody else about the show and see if they'll enjoy it. Um, Cause that's going to be how we, we grow the fastest is just by word of mouth. But from the WAP cave, thank you for listening to center of attention episode 22.